Looking to create your best self, whether it's good for you lifestyle hacks, smarter ways to supplement, or tasty tips to fuel optimal health, Talk Healthy Today provides you the latest research tools and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy starting today. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. I am absolutely in love with doing this podcast. I would be thrilled if you rated, reviewed, and subscribed to the podcast. Now, on to the show. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. So when I was in high school, I was awkward, shy, and I was skinny. I was so skinny that the jocks would call me olive oil. So those jocks graduated, and I remember seeing one in the summer, and he came up to me, and he's like, you know, Lisa, I'm really sorry that I went along with those guys and made fun of you. I just, you know, I just kind of felt pressured, and I didn't know what to do, and and I just saw his kindness, and his his he was so genuine that I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I get that. I mean, I was still hurt, because in the next year, a whole new bunch of jocks made fun of me. So the reason I'm telling you this story is because I just read a fantastic book. It is called Man Enough, Undefining My Masculinity by Justin Baldoni. And it really gets into what is going on for boys and young men and men in general and how important it is to have this conversation around what it means to be a man. Justin, welcome to Talk Healthy Today. It is an absolute thrill to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, when I read your book, I immediately thought of that. I haven't thought of that in like 30 years. You know what's crazy is they called my mom olive oil too growing really? up. Really? Yeah. From Popeye, right? Right. Oh, yeah. God. Not a compliment. Although, you know, it's funny because two guys are fighting over her. But I at know. the same time, I, I knew I knew it wasn't a compliment. So I read about that because being a teenager is so hard and being a young man. And I just have to say, I love this book. I have I have like 20 pages of notes. I know we're not going to get to all of them wow. today. Oh, yeah. I, I do my homework, Justin. I mean, I, I just feel so strongly that this idea and this, it's not even an idea, but this need to deconstruct masculinity is key. Why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about your journey? And then I got lots of quotes. Oh God. Oh, I, um, I, this, I mean, this started for me early on with the recognition that I, I felt that I was living in conflict between who the world was telling me that I was supposed to be as a man and what I felt like as a man in my core, right? What I felt like a man should be. And uh, it starts in small ways, right? It starts with being mean to girls and girls have cooties and, <laughs> and uh, with, you know, having signs on your, you know, door that say no girls allowed. And it's like, you don't really think about how problematic that is until you're much older. Right. Um, and that's just like a part of being a young boy at some point. And uh, just the idea that when you like a girl, you got to be mean to her. All of these types of things are just, they're embedded in us at such young ages and it grows up and, you know, and you start saying things in high school like bros before hoes. And then what does that actually look like? You know, the idea that that I have a pledged allegiance to a club that I didn't even know that I was in. Right. I remember being young and having a, a guy friend of mine. I was friends with both his girlfriend and him. And he cheated on his girlfriend in front of me. But I wasn't allowed to say anything because I'm in the guy club and there's a code of silence. Right. That's what does right, that, that bro mean? code, right? The bro code. So I just, all of these things uh, kind of built up and built up. And in my twenties, I, 
I started being really acutely aware of the stupid things that I would say. And when I was insecure, how I would just kind of regurgitate things that I don't, I don't even believe and I'd puff up my chest around certain people and um, all the different ways I, you know, was dating women and trying to be certain ways that I'm not. And I just, I was just, was trying on all these different masks of masculinity uh, and finding myself just unhappy at the end of each of them. And, uh, and finally, when I met my wife and, that mirror of marriage was held to my face and I had children is when I really started to understand that this was socialization. Um, this wasn't just me. This is something that most men experience yet. Most men don't talk about it because we don't have that awareness. Um, and, and here, here we are. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, there's so much unlearning that needs to be done. I told you before we started, I do a show called uh, Active Allyship is More Than a Hashtag about anti-racism and bias and white privilege and so much more. And I have a wonderful co-host, Sunny, who's a black woman. And we have these really deep conversations. When I read your book, it reminded me of that, that these are difficult topics and it's going to be hard to get men to talk about. You talk about going on a three-day trip with your friends, you know, a group of guys. And it wasn't until the last day right? That you really wanted to talk about some of the things you were experiencing and some of these fears and shame. And and at the end of it, when you spoke up, they had similar experiences. And what an amazing thing to be like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Talk to us about that feeling. Well, yeah. You know, I, I wanted to take my guys on a on a trip because I felt paralyzed by fear to even reach out and ask them for help on this particular topic. And, um, and honestly, it wasn't even me by the third day, it was my friend who spoke up first Mm. and it happened to be the same issue that I was struggling with. And then once I then said, Oh my God, yes. So I was actually that friend. I was the friend that was like "Uh, me too, even though it was my idea to bring him on the trip and uh, to bring them on the trip. And then my other friends opened up and what we saw was like, we had a great experience those first two days, but that third day was something different. And that third day was a different experience because all of us were set free. And, uh, and yeah, it just, uh, the fact that I even couldn't do it in person, the fact that I had to, you know, create an entire experience just for my friends, just to finally find that courage to say, guys, I'm struggling with this. And yet here I am, right. This yep. guy who's like labeled woke and all of these things, I couldn't oh, yeah. even do it and because that's how pervasive this is. It's yeah. so hard for us men to ask for help about serious things, um, serious issues. We can, you know, look, there's a joke. I mean, I put a, I put a study in, in the book about what happened, you know, a study that was done in England where men drive an additional yeah. 900 miles over the course of their lifetimes because they won't ask for directions. <laughs> I love that's, that. That's funny. That's a, that's a punchline to a joke. That's a pun. That's a punchline to a joke. I would want those 900 miles back, right? By the end of my life, I'd say, oh my God, I should have just asked for directions. Give me that. Give me those 900 miles back. That's a lot of time. <laughs> Absolutely. But, and you know, there's a lot of men that are willing to ask for directions. That's fine. But but when we when it comes down to like the brass tacks of being able to truly ask for help on really sensitive, vulnerable issues, we really struggle, and that's just a fact. Yeah, you know, one of the things speaking about being vulnerable that I found so beautiful in your book is especially the story when you are on the boat with the kid Jake. And he wanted you to 
masturbate and he was doing it too. And you were like 11 years old and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you had to like turn around and then you had to go. I mean, I was like, oh my God, I heard these things happen, but I've never heard somebody admit that. And I I think that's the problem, right? We need to talk about these early experiences we have with other boys and this this insecurity about our body. And for you, you're taught, you saw porn for the first time at 10. You had this experience on the boat. Talk to us about that. And what was it like to be so open? It's terrifying to be so open because because you're again that's the whole thing about vulnerability. It means you're open to attack, right? right? I have to in order for in order to write the book, I had to take off the armor. I'm asking everybody else to take off, and it sucks, and it's messy, and it's uncomfortable, and it's not fun, but it's also liberating and it's freeing. And um, you know, you don't achieve freedom by being passive; you achieve it by being active. And uh, and so, yeah, you know, that's, you're, you're talking about a story, you know, I had a, I had a friend who was my age, but a little more, uh, ahead of me in terms of, you know, his, his puberty and adolescence. And, um, you know, it was one of the first experiences I had with another boy that made me feel like I was less than, that I wasn't good enough. And that followed me throughout my entire life and into the bedroom. And that happens to a lot of men, but we never, we don't talk about it because we have shame around it. And that shame, that shame festers. Yeah, it absolutely does. I was going to say it's interesting because I didn't get my period till I was a month and a half before I was 16. I had the figure of like a boy, like 11 year old boy until I was 17. And then overnight, like I just grew. And uh, anyway, I remember even a friend of mine came up to me in like seventh grade and I was wearing a bra and she came over my shoulder. She goes, you know, Lisa, you don't need that. You don't have anything to put in it. And this was like a really close friend. I think there's there's that age between like nine or 10 and like 13, or I would even say like between like nine or 10 and 12, um, that it's, it's still fairly innocent and yet so harmful. <laughs> um, because we don't really know we're all just kind of figuring it out. The ones with older brothers kind of are a little more ahead, um, and tend to be the leaders in those circles. But I've learned firsthand from a bunch of men since, since I wrote this book, about their own experiences, you know, and, and the way we talk about masturbation, the way we talk about porn and sex and all of these things, we learn it from other boys. And think about that. We're learning it from other boys. Well, where the hell are they learning it from? And then that's what we take with us into our relationships. We take, that's how we learn about sex and things. And, and, and then we watch porn because that becomes cool when you're that age, because it's, you know, it's hidden, it's taboo, and then you have access to it. And now today with the iPhone and, you know, all of us having iPads, our kids have access to everything at far younger ages than we ever had. And, and much more and much, much scarier things than we ever had. Um, so, so yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a part of my adolescence that actually, until I sat down to write the book, I didn't even really think about or remember. And as I was digging in, I went, Oh, well, that's where this came from. I guess I better put that. Guess I better put that. <laughs> and the fact that it's burned into my memory shows me that it's one of these traumatic experiences that even it wasn't very traumatic, but it was traumatic for me in the sense that I didn't feel like I was good enough. I didn't feel like I was enough. And that was the first time I remember comparing myself actively to another man. 
Yeah, that feeling of not enough is so difficult. And I think at least for women, like we could talk about it, like I could tell my best friend, I can't believe what Shelly said to me. And it's so bad. And Oh, honey, don't worry, you'll you'll, you'll get boobs someday or whatever, (laughs) you know, like there was more support. But with the guy, what are you going to go say? I was on this boat and this guy wanted me to. Yeah, and he was still my friend. And he was still my friend afterwards, because for him, it was innocent. It was like, Oh, yeah, this is great. This is so cool. Right. And it wasn't wasn't like uh, there was no there was nothing sexual from him to me it was we're boys we were boys having this experience you know another thing in the book too is so interesting and also in your ted talk is that whole idea of that to embrace the masculine you have to really reject the feminine in like a big way right you don't want any of that in you and yet i think that's what makes such a balanced person talk to us about that balance and how did you find that I'm still looking for it. I haven't found it. <laughs> Again, I want to go back to, I write this book from a, from the standpoint of somebody who's in it. I'm on the journey. I'm under construction. I have not arrived. I don't have all the answers. I'm still working on my own enoughness. That's why at the end of the book, you know, after my wife read it, she looked at me and said, baby, this is really good, but now you got to read your own book. Um, so, uh, so all that to say, I'm, uh, I'm on the journey and, um, uh, you know, I, the masculine feminine thing we're taught as young boys, almost that we have to be robots. We, you know, everything that we're told that we have to embody as men is, is almost, it's almost robotic. It's like removing emotion. It's removing sensitivity. It's drowning out compassion and empathy and focusing on being strong willed, you know, having direction, being, having purpose, um, you know, being physically brave and strong and tough, resilient, impervious, all of these types of things. And then obviously all of the things that women are strong and that women are socially, uh, that are socially acceptable for women to, um, to have are the things that as men were not allowed to have, because those are things that we're told as men um, impair our ability to be men. And when I was looking at that, I was doing an interview yesterday and I just pulled up a bunch of traits, just these random Google searches. And I looked at the two things and I was like, oh, wow, this is a robot and this is a human, right? Because robots can't have all of the things that actually women are supposed to have in the world. Robots, we don't have the technology because those are the things that makes make a human human. Empathy, compassion, you can't, there's no algorithm for that, right? Uh, so, so I just find it fascinating that what we're really asking men to be is less human, and, uh, and that's really unfortunate. So I believe that at the end of the day, and what my hope uh, is with this book is that as men, we can recognize that there's nothing wrong with having masculine qualities, but there's also nothing wrong with having feminine qualities. We can't have masculine qualities at the expense of our feminine qualities because that's at the expense of our humanity. And we need to stop shaming men for having intrinsically quote unquote feminine qualities. And we also have to stop shaming women for having masculine qualities. At the end of the day, we have to just make room for our, the fullness of our humanity. Funny because I've always been attracted to men that are more sensitive. And for example, my husband, uh, we've been together 23 years. When I met him and we got, you know, we got together and we went to dinner and he talked about his work on the suicide hotline and he was just so compassionate. And I just fell in love. I was like, oh my God, this Mm -hmm. guy's amazing. And it's interesting because I think that, and I can't speak for all women, obviously, 
But I think that for a lot of women, at least women I know, they want a man who's more balanced, right? They want a man who can touch into those emotions as well and be strong and be, you know, but it's so interesting because I've always, and maybe because the jocks made fun of me, I've always been turned off to that kind of guy. That's also tricky because like, you know, women might want a man who's more balanced, but what does balance actually mean? And for men, it's very tricky to find that balance. Like, what does it actually mean? When is it okay to cry? When is it not okay to cry? When's it, when's it okay to express my vulnerability? And, and there's a lot of women and bell hooks writes about this in the will to change who have, um, who've also been affected by the patriarchy and have their own internal misogyny and who don't even recognize that they are perpetuating the same problem that men are suffering from. And, um, and so there's a lot of men that have reached out to me that said, you know, Hey, I was vulnerable and I cried and she was like, suck it up. <gasps> oh, um, okay. And, That's really interesting. Uh, Glennon Doyle writes about this in untamed. And I had my own experience with my wife early on in our dating, really a uh, dating life uh, with something like this. And, and we don't even recognize that it's happening. And, um, and, and, and untamed Glennon actually talks specifically about a friend of hers who's a very progressive feminist who wanted her husband to open up. And when he finally did, she found herself disgusted by him. Oh my gosh. And this happens over and over and over again, because women are brought up in a patriarchal society as well. And so we all have a lot of unlearning to do, but specifically us men, we have to be willing to take that risk. You know, even if our women are telling us that, um, you know, Hey, that made me uncomfortable. That should be a conversation starter. Um, but, but there's a, all of us, all human beings have unlearning to do. Um, just like, as you know, on your show, all of us human beings who are white have a lot of unlearning to do. Um, we're all sure. affected by our socialization and what we have to do at the end of the day is make room and make space for all of us to show up as our full, messy, authentic human selves. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because, again, I think I'm kind of an anomaly, you know. I mean, I know my husband, now that I think about it, was saying that he kind of had trouble dating, you know, because I think women that he is, right? Because he, and, you know, he's not a big buff guy. He's not into sports. He's very intellectual. You know, he would, he was considered when he was younger, like a nerd, although I've always liked nerds. So, but that's interesting too, in the book, as you talk about like your, your guy who's either into sports, but if you're smart, you're a nerd and you don't want to be a nerd. And then this whole bit, but a man's supposed to be everything, but how are you supposed to be everything? If yeah, just so much. Yeah. It's confusing. And then if you, and then if you even, and then if you look at it, you even have these hierarchies of, of this, like the mythical alpha in all of these different subgroups, because you can have an alpha nerd, right? But yet that alpha nerd is bullied by the alpha football player or whatever. Right. And all of it, it just, it's all bullshit. All of that is, all of that is masculinity um, teaching us as men and whatever group we're in that power is the most important thing. And if you don't have power in one area, you got to get it in another. And then you have a lot of men. and And this is also tied into abuse and rape culture. You have a lot of men that feel powerless in all areas of their life with other men. And so who do they dominate? Women. And and that perpetuates the same problem. The other thing I want to touch on is uh, in your chapter, Privileged Enough, the reality of my racism and white male privilege. I have to be honest, when I watched you on Jane, I, I assumed you were Hispanic. And I love that you open up about that, that you're not. 
and about playing those roles and about the eyebrows with Greek, like your eyes. But then again, like you're told, well, your eye, you're not wide enough to be to play the white parts. But then you're going to then you're like, oh, God, did I take a part from a, per, a Latinx person or I played an Iraqi person? Talk to us. A little, I know we have a few minutes left, but I'd love for you to focus on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've heard over and over again recently that a lot of people didn't realize I was white uh, until I told them and started writing about it. Uh, yeah. So that's a new thing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm Italian Jewish, so I'm a white person. I'm a white identifying person. And um, what's funny is a lot of my friends of color, are the ones that have been like, I didn't know you were white. <laughs> and I'm like, does that mean we can't be friends? Can we still be friends? Um, are you sure you're not Sephardic? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at you. Look like my I have cousins who are from Spain no, and Sephardic Jews. Ashkenazi. Okay. <laughs> Ashkenazi I'm Ashkenazi too. too. Okay, um, me too. <laughs> 50% I am pure. 50% Ashkenazi Jew and Italian. Um, yeah, you know, I just think that, um, look, we've been whitewashing Hollywood for a long time. And that's all changing now. And a lot of the roles I had when I was younger, I wouldn't have been able to have today. And I didn't even realize early on that I was taking roles from other people. I share an experience about auditioning for an Iraqi prince at one point, right? Um, In the book that when you look back, it's a mortifying story, especially because the white guy got the role and then they dubbed my voice with a Middle Eastern guy. So it was, it was actually talk about whitewashing. It was a white guy playing a Middle Eastern guy only to have the, an Iraqi voice an Iraqi accent. And I had asked them, I'm like, do you want me to do an accent? They're like, no, no, no. He's Americanized, whatever the hell that means. Um, so uh, he went to American universities and he doesn't have an accent. So, so yeah, I just think that uh, there's, but that's, what's also exciting is that things are changing and you're seeing so many more projects and roles. It's one of the things I'm actively working on at my studio um, that are being made by um, people uh, the whose stories they are telling, right? It's the, it's the actual storytellers who are sharing their own personal experiences in the form of art and media. And then we're making sure that those people get to cast the people that they want um, in those roles. So we're talking about Middle Eastern roles that are not just reduced to, to being terrorists, right? You know, we're talking, we're seeing like, you know, finally examples of black joy and black excellence and not, the same slavery story over and over again, or the white savior story over and over again. But it wasn't until probably five years ago that I even knew what the white savior was. I had no idea. Right. I had no clue that that's what I was watching and ingesting my entire life as most, as most white people don't. They're just like, Oh, that made me cry. Oh, that's so sweet. Viggo Mortensen, you know, that, that, right. Like you just think that that's such a sweet thing. And then you're like, Oh, that's problematic. This, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh my God. I have to rethink about how I've looked at movies my entire life. Oh, that's not a good idea. You know, the Kevin Costner character in um, Hidden Figures, he didn't even, he didn't even exist in real life. So why the, yeah. Because, because us like well-meaning white folks need to see ourselves as the hero. And, uh, and that's, that's coming to an end. Um, And that's going to be really good for all of us. 
Oh, it absolutely is. You know, I could keep you forever. And the book is banned enough, Undefining My Masculinity. There's so much work to be done. And and this is why this book, Justin, is so important, because this gives men that space and that safe space and women, too, to read it and, and that have that opportunity to have the tough conversations that we need to have. And we need to raise our boys and girls differently. I mean, yes, we absolutely do. do, right? I mean, in the last minute, any advice for parents? I have a lot of parents listening. Yeah, I would just, uh, if you're a parent raising a child, I would just be really, really mindful of any gender stereotypes that you force on your children. Let them pick. There's nothing wrong with your son liking trucks and wearing blue and your daughter liking, you know, princesses and wearing pink, so long as it's what they choose for themselves. Don't force it. Um, Specifically for your sons, if they feel emotional or they become overwhelmed and they want to cry, then allow them that space to, and then tell them how brave that was that they did that and how normal it is for them to feel those things. Um, let's remind our, our sons that they don't need to protect their sisters um, and that their da- and our daughters that they don't need to be protected, that they're capable and strong themselves. And I think we should be reminding uh, all of our children that the strongest muscle in their whole body is their heart. That's what I always tell my kids. And, um, And yeah, that's what I got for you. That is so beautiful. Justin, tell us all the ways we can find your amazing book, Man Enough, Undefining My Masculinity. You can find Man Enough everywhere now, I think. Uh, I'd say support your local independent bookstore. It's probably there. If they don't have it there, you can request it. But uh, it's at all the Barnes & Nobles and the Targets. You can get it on Amazon, of course, if you want it. And um, yeah. By the way, Jane the Virgin was my favorite show. I'm not is my favorite show. I'm not just saying that. Freaking amazing. And I'm very proud of myself for not talking about it the whole time and just bringing it up at the end. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy today. I hope you got as much out of the show as I did. I feel so lucky to talk to so many incredible people to help you live your healthiest life. So please rate, review, and subscribe and never miss an episode of Talk Healthy today.